Today on this episode of Going Deeper, we're talking about chapter three of the book of James, which is a short chapter, but it's also very powerful in that it asks us to tame our tongues. Can we do that? And what do we have to say about it? I'm your host, Kyle McCaskill. I'm Becky Clark. I'm Marie Burns. So join us as we go deeper. So here we go into chapter three. Who's taking this one away first? Becky. I am Becky. I am doing chapter three. Great. Um, okay, so I'm going to time us. This shouldn't take more than about three minutes. Okay. <laughs> okay, hang on. I'm going to put a timer in the corner. Let's see, where am I going to put the timer? I'm going to put the timer, like, down here. Timer. And... Go. I do forget, though, that we are all talkers, and so maybe it will take more than three minutes. Oh, it's absolutely going to take longer than three minutes. <laughs> okay, so the interesting thing about Chapter 3, and I have to admit, I, I think I've told you both, I'm kind of struggling to figure out what to kind of podcast with. Chapter 3 really is, like, is extremely straightforward. So one of the things I appreciate about Chapter 3 is that... Um, you know, there are so many places within scripture where it's like, I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And you got to pull out the commentaries and you are like, I, I don't know. This is not it. That's not yeah. this chapter. This It's pretty, pretty simple, straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's a say what you're going to say and it says what it says. Well, and it, James uses some extra language. So he really, chapter three could be even shorter than it's 18 verses, but he... And the front end of the chapter when he talks about our words, which we've already visited this topic in the first chapter, right. I think a little bit, kind of a little bit in the second chapter. So it, this is not a new topic. And he uses like six different kind of imageries to really kind of drive home his point. So if he didn't use those extra imageries, probably chapter three would be like eight verses. Mm-hmm. But we have a lots of extras to, because he says this is how important it is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use all these images to really kind of get home to you what I'm really trying to say so that you can uh, take it in and apply it to your life. But that being said, one of the things that I thought would be interesting to talk about today is kind of what James brings up at the very front end of chapter three when he talks about it just in verse one, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I don't mm. like that verse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, this is perfect because... And where's my Sharpie? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. So one of the things that I find really interesting about is that he continues on in the chapter to talk about how your words have power and meaning. And, but he starts with this one little verse about these don't become a teacher because in, in some sense, not many of you should become a teacher because it's, it is very difficult to be a teacher. You're going to be judged by the Lord in a different way, so to speak. Um, and so I thought we could talk about a little bit about 
um, those who are called to not just the vocation of of ministry leadership, but um, when we are called to lead, which we are all called to lead. Nobody, actually, I believe that nobody um, gets away from this verse. I agree. Mm-hmm. It just has to do with when. Maybe when in your life you get to this point of leading something, of teaching something, whether you're teaching your children, whether you're teaching a Sunday school class, whether you're teaching a whole congregation, um, we all are, I think, called. Now, some people are called with the vocation of it. That's their whole life. And that's kind of a different thing, but we all have that calling because that's what discipleship is about. Right. So what do we do with this idea that um, teachers will be judged uh, with greater strictness? What do we think that that means then? And does is it biblical then to think that we would, or p- teachers would be judged more mm-hmm. harshly? Is that biblical to say that there is an extra standard there then? Well, th- consider what Jesus said about um, leading little ones astray. It would be better if a millstone mm-hmm. was placed around your neck and thrown into the ocean or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was definitely... A, a heavy statement to make against people who are teaching others, whether it's literally little children or people young in their faith, if you intentionally lead people astray and teach false doctrine, it's bad news. But what if you unintentionally do it? That's... Thankfully, we serve somebody who abounds with forgiveness. But <laughs> right. I'm... So there, I, there's a definitely a strictness and a weight that came with, with that statement. Better mm-hmm. that you be dead than to mm-hmm. intentionally lead someone astray in their faith. Mm-hmm. So that feels like it carries an awful lot of weight. According right. to the notes here in my physical Bible, it says that the word that's used for teachers is translated master in the Gospels, mm-hmm. and not just mm-hmm. a teacher. So I, I would say that Maybe he's talking specifically about people in vocational ministry choosing to become uh, pastors, preachers. He lumps himself in because as you continue in the chapter, he talks about, for we all stumble, and this is just in verse two, for we Mm -hmm. all stumble in many ways. So he lumps himself in as one of these kind of teachers. Um, But I I think you're right to some extent, but as Mm -hmm. you continue to read the chapter, I think he moves from this particular place of um, chosen leadership, called leadership, to everyone is called to some extent. And so there's this bigger portion of uh, responsibility than just the one who is Mm -hmm. the master. And someone suggested... A commentator suggested that by this point that we get to chapter three, we've already had some um, issues with uh, rich and poor and all that kind of stuff. Yes. And so the suggestion was that it's potentially that he's he's referring to people who want to be teachers because they feel that it gives them um, status. Okay, uh, so we so. dealt with this with Pharisees, which the, the word Pharisee has been in my brain ever since you read this, of hearkening back to... Kind of how hard Jesus was on those guys. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely a position of power. And if if you've read through the gospel for five minutes, you pick up on part of their issue with Jesus was they felt threatened in their status. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. felt threatened in their power because if Jesus really is the Messiah, then they lose their position. Mm-hmm. It was how they felt. So it is not in actuality what Jesus was there for, but it's what they were afraid of. And... 
it, it definitely was all about power and status for them. So my guess, my question is, is he saying, he says teachers though. Uh, so I'm just thinking out loud. I just wonder if he's trying to warn them against becoming like the Pharisees. Yeah, that's my guess uh, based upon what one this one commentator, I, I, I think he is onto something that he's potentially addressing the issue that the the Jewish Christians are feeling weighed down and mm-hmm. they're feeling beat up. And so they feel like if they had a place of, of, of leadership, a role that gives them some type of power and authority and status, then people will let up on them. Mm-hmm. But what James says is that's not, that's not the fix, you know, like that's not the factor yeah. that's really going to solve this situation for you because stepping into this leadership role has great demand mm-hmm. upon it. You, your the requirements of you, the weight that's laid upon you is, is quite great. And you don't just take that just because you think it's cool or because you think being in front of people is great or being able to say whatever you want to say, the responsibility is, is very, very big, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So the, you know, the other reason I bring that up is because we're in a place in a time where uh, leadership is, I think sometimes kind of a rocky thing. Mm -hmm. And so how do we look at, Christian leaders? How do we, how do we um, look at pastors and how do we, um, what's our responsibility maybe as churchgoers to our leaders and how do we help keep them accountable? And then how do we healthily step into roles of leadership when Mm -hmm. we are called and, and recognize the, the awesome weight of that. Mm -hmm. I think some people don't do it because they think it's so weighty. Right. And so they're just like, ah, that's not for me. But we're all called to some type of, even just in the the most simplest forms of discipleship, I I think scripture says um, and lines out where part of discipleship is that I'm following someone and learning from someone. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully someone is, following me and learning from me. I've taken on someone that, or invested in someone that Mm -hmm. is, you know, in a different place in their walk. Yeah. So, but that we should take that with weight and value and care. So all that to say, I'm just throwing out this whole kind of situation of teacher, leader, Christian authority, Mm -hmm. and how do we handle it? And how do we care for it? Yeah, I think I think as a congregation, one of the first things you realize in that is not, oh, so my pastor needs to be is, is under a heavy criticism. Now I look at them with a critical eye, but whoa, my pastor and anybody in leadership is is it under this scrutiny. I should pray for them mm-hmm. and not look for all the issues with them, but instead mm-hmm. pray for them. And then also, like you said, we. Ideally, everyone is in some position of leadership somewhere in their lives. And maybe mm-hmm. you are and you don't even realize it, but we should always be seeking out a mentor, somebody who's further mm-hmm. along in their faith than us. And we should always be looking for somebody else to mentor behind us. We should be looking to bring the whole body together. It's a lot of mm-hmm. what we talked about in various places when we studied Hebrews. Is it's 
you're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. If we are truly belonging to a church, then they should be our church family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We should not be looking to scrutinize everyone around us. We should be looking to encourage and edify the body around us, lift them up, pray for them. No, I hate the word volunteer in this situation, but step into those roles that we're called to in service to the church mm-hmm. and the community. And that's going to mean at some point you're leading too. And don't you hope somebody's praying for you? And as a church, I hope we are praying for those in leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Those who will be in leadership all along the way. That's kind of my initial thought to that question. Yeah. Okay, so what are your what are your thoughts, Kyle, then? Um I don't have many Thoughts that I can express right now uh, that I, I'm still kind of formulating sure. where where I am in this. Uh, I think stepping into that role of leadership is something that should not be taken lightly. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's something that James is saying here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's kind of like he wants those who are looking to step into this role mm-hmm. to go into it knowing yeah, not to be blindsided. Oh, but you never said that, you know, I had all this mm-hmm. and I don't know. I go back to what Peter Parker's uncle said, uncle Ben, <laughs> <laughs> he got it from somewhere else. I'm sure Probably. With great power comes great responsibility. Those of you not tracking Kyle went down a Spider-Man reference. <laughs> Yeah, the, not the Spider-Man a lot of us know, but the Spider-Man from many years ago. Tobey Maguire. That's right. And to me, it's still the new Spider-Man because I remember the Spider-Man before that. <laughs> yes, I'm old. Oh, well, you are older than me. Uh-huh. So, Well, he addresses later on in Chapter 3, which it it fits together because we move from talking about the tongue and the mm-hmm. the detriment of of painful words words that are spoken without thought to wisdom which we yeah. again have also addressed earlier in in the book and to me they go together because there's this idea of you know if you're one who is seeking wisdom then you're one who is going to be careful with your words if you're mm-hmm. one who's seeking the wisdom of god you're also going to be one who's going to seek out is this the role that you want me to step into, God, is this the position, the leadership kind of place? And then what what ways do you want me to use that for your glory instead of what ways can I use that to leverage my own status and power right. and whatever mm-hmm. else or, or manipulate situation or anything right. like that? And there are definitely leaders in the church, in the world that are, they do unfortunately manipulate mm-hmm. and and it is a sad fact but again J- James says for we all stumble in many ways and if anyone does not stumble in what he says he's a perfect man able to also bridle his own body well there's unfortunately for us really there's only one perfect man right <laughs> right, right? And it's not us uh-huh. right and so there are people who because church is run by people sometimes churches have unhealthy things mm-hmm. because their leaders are unhealthy. Yeah. And so it takes us into a, a bad place. But it's the wisdom part that tells you if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I think God, uh, James um, nails home the top the topic often in this 
book about how important wisdom is within the Christian life. And even says uh, somewhere in chapter three that like if if you're not seeking wisdom, then I'm not sure that you have true religion. And yeah. he had already talked about religion, what religion, what he really means by religion, mm-hmm. which is 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 humble faith. Yes. Um, and so if you're not seeking true wisdom, then you're not one who is trying to seek the humble faith mm-hmm. with Christ. Yeah. Um, and a, it's a huge characteristic of the Christian life is seeking God's wisdom as opposed to our own wisdom, because our wisdom will lead us astray. Right. Right. Well, and that carries you back to Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. that closes out with the wise and foolish builder. If you are following the ways of Christ, love God, love neighbor, lobbying, lobbying back over to James. You can go back mm-hmm. and forth between those mm-hmm. two really well. Yeah. It, you're, it's like a builder who builds their house on solid rock if you're following the ways of Christ, which are humble love mm-hmm. for God and love for your neighbor. And you have love for your neighbor, you're going to be... You're going to be humble. And he mm-hmm. goes on to say in James chapter 3 that you're going to be full of mercy and even submissive, mm-hmm. a person mm-hmm. in leadership, submissive. Yes. We submit one to another. That gets into Paul. It's, yeah. just, it's funny yeah. how the whole Bible goes together. But at the same time, <laughs> you, you say that submission thing, and many times the, the leaders that get kind of full of themselves, whether Christian or secular, mm-hmm. they don't want to have to bow down to anything. I mean, think about in our own country, our politicians that we elect don't even want to submit to the founding documents of our country, the Constitution. They, they want to find ways to subvert that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's not any different and even more serious that when we have leaders of the church who are appointed, yeah. that they submit to Scripture. Yes. And mm-hmm. in our Methodist tradition even, there are a lot of people who just flat don't want to. Mm-hmm. And... I think that's a part of that level of submission. One, you've got to trust it. If you don't trust it, then you're not going to submit to it. Right. I'll get off my soapbox for a well, second. Well, I mean, it, it, it all just, <laughs> no, you're fine. It, it all weaves together. James mm-hmm. is pulling from Jesus's words. If you huh? love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you yeah. love me, you will obey. Bay. Mm-hmm. Jesus uses those words. If you don't like what James has to say, you have to take it up with Jesus. Yeah. That's just the way of it. And and you you started talking about the the wisdom and all that kind of stuff and I'm just, you know, skimming through here the the tail end of the chapter and I find it really interesting the word in my new King James version. Yes, that's what my physical Bible here is. We still accept you. <laughs> I, that's okay. But he uses the word conduct. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not really that much different from the new American standard that I have open on my iPhone. Uh, it's talking about behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I can see why John Wesley liked this book so much because to John Wesley mm-hmm. and depending on when this comes out, you either have just heard a sermon or you're about to hear a sermon by Doug where he talks a little bit about this. And uh, John Wesley valued holiness. Mm -hmm. And holiness has behavioral implications to it. Mm -hmm. 
And James goes back and forth talking about that through the whole book, about the holiness of God and, and the fact that because God is a holy God, he's calling us to holiness as well. Yes. So how do we seek holiness? How do we live into holiness? Well, one of the ways is we watch what I, what we say mm-hmm. and we, we seek the wisdom of, of God's holiness to help guide us in the things that we should say. And, and James even brings the correlation of, you know, your words lead to your actions. Mm-hmm. Your actions come from your words. So you know, that determines, and it goes back to the faith and work conversation of this determines what your work for God is. Is your work for God holy and pleasing is because of your words holy and pleasing. And words have torn people apart and they've torn churches apart and they've torn families apart Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And God says that you, if you would seek my wisdom, it's not to say that you're going to be perfect in what you say. I mean, that's just, it's, that's what James says. It's very difficult. And he even says, you know, the first, the first two of his illustrations about the words are, he uses these little, you know, the small rudder or the little bit in the mm-hmm. mouth. And it's not necessarily about control. It's about direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a big difference because God's not asked, he doesn't want to control us. But he, he wants us, he wants to direct in yeah. the right ways. And so if we allow God's wisdom to be that thing that kind of directs us in the right way, then we're moving in the direction of, of Christ, mm-hmm. right? Um, but this little tongue, <laughs> this little part <laughs> of the body can also direct us in very negative ways. Yeah. And that's, he, you know, to go back to this teacher situation, um, the words of, of leaders can push a congregation in directions of very positive things, or they can push a, a church body into very negative directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So take that into account, yeah. I guess. Right. And just for what it's worth, we're way over three minutes at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I am a talker. <laughs> We all are. Well, it's okay. you know, the, the timer was just I mean, for fun. I mean, if we just to sum up the whole chapter, it'd be yeah. like, watch your, watch your mouth mm-hmm. and uh, get smart with Jesus. So, yeah. done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that really is kind of the, the crux of what is being said here. And you're absolutely right when we go back to what you said initially, that this one just kind of says what it says and it means what it means. Mm -hmm. And it's not one of those that you can look at and say, well, I think he was talking about just this one little, no, watch your mouth. Yeah. And there's nuances to what he's trying to say as well, Mm -hmm. but I think that's why the book of James is so often said as it's a very practical book. Mm -hmm. So the practicality is this is these are some things we have to work on and we have to watch and be careful about um, mm-hmm. because it can do a huge disservice to the church and to the yeah. body yeah. and to our witness. Right. And read so if you haven't already read James 3 and you're just listening to us talk about it pause and go read it. And then come back and finish the episode. 
and then go read it again <laughs> because it yeah. it's literally only what it's 18, 18 verses, verses yeah. and it goes by so fast. If you don't have a study Bible like the three of us have, then the whole chapter will fit on one page. Pretty much. You know, so I'm pretty sure you can spare enough time to read one page. And if it doesn't hurt a little bit and make you think about it, mm-hmm. then you maybe probably need to read it a few more times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there are definitely some things that I had to sit back and go, oh, that's me a little bit. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I got I don't oh, do yeah. that very well. Or yeah, uh, I said something the other day to my kid that mm-hmm. right there was a wound mm-hmm. instead of a an uplifting. But see, that just know? goes to to kind of validate the words that are written here is that it's practically impossible to tame the tongue mm-hmm. uh, because it's so easy for the words that come out of our mouths to send us off on this weird direction. Mm-hmm. And and even if it's something that we don't utter vocally, mm-hmm. but it's something that we want to say, those kind of things can be just as damaging, uh, not only to the people around us and, you know, when we get into these preconceived notions of people, mm-hmm. you know, snap judgments and whatnot, but it also can turn inward and our our words can do great harm to ourselves because if we're letting our words tear ourselves down, Mm -hmm. then we're not following the life that God wants for us. Yep. 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 (laughs) Is there anything else? Like, I think this might be a record. If we're done, this may be the fastest podcast episode ever. I don't think we need to say anything else. You got to let James chapter three sit on its own. It says its own, it does its own work. All right, so here in just a second when I say thanks for listening, what are you going to do? You're going to go back and you're going to go read this again. James 3, verses 1 through 18. Super easy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I could have sat here and read the whole thing five times while we were sitting here talking. So... See if you can read it in under three minutes. Set yourself a timer. No, don't do that. Then you're just rushing through it. <laughs> okay, I take it Sit back. Sit with it. Let it. Let Sit it resonate. It. Okay, read it once. It'll take you three minutes. Then read it again and sit with it. Okay? A little bit of both, right? Okay. That's fair. <laughs> Maria agrees that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so leave us your comments down below in the comment section if you're watching on YouTube about maybe some things that you struggle with, with the tongue, words, how they have impacted your life. Maybe times when somebody has said something really good to you and it has had a very positive impact on you. And maybe when somebody said something or maybe a time you remember you saying something negative and it just, you you did not sit well with that. So in all of that, just remember that we do serve, like Marie said, we do serve a forgiving God. And so when we slip up, there is forgiveness, there is grace. Uh, So don't beat yourself up too hard over that. It's, you know, forgiveness exists for us. With that, thanks for listening. We will see y'all next time.